we're not taught to look at, especially with the act of sex, of like, mm-hmm. this is a shared experience. This can be good with one person, and it also can be good with you. <laughs> you know, we're not trained in society to look at love and sex in that way as this abundant kind of experience. Mm-hmm. So my, like, knee-jerk, especially the, like, toxic masculinity that is, like, constantly around me is, like, it better not be better! You know what I mean? <laughs> and then, like, when I really, like, go to the core of who I am, the, like, authenticity of who I am, it's like, I sure as fuck better be good. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I hope that it's good with this other partner. I don't want her hurt or sad or, like, feeling empty or, like, any of those things after an interaction. But, like, it is such a reflex to be, like... Like, she's going to find something better in someone else. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Polycurious. I am Fernanda. And today is the second part of our conversation with Safi and Fifi. So if you haven't listened to the first part yet, just please go back and listen to it first. In the first part, we talk about their individual journeys and their upbringing and in this second part, we focus more on their relationship. Safi and Fifi are a polyamorous couple. They have a YouTube channel where they share their experience and tips for other couples. And we talk about it a little bit in today's episode, but if you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend it. Before we start, I just want to clarify that both the previous episode and the second part were recorded back in August 2020. So things have changed since one of them being that Safi came out as transgender. So just note that he's no longer using the pronouns she, her, even though we use them in this episode. Back when we talked, they had been together for two and a half years. So I guess now they're probably past the three-year mark. And in this episode, they tell us how they met. They share some of the challenges that they encountered and how they dealt with them. So you'll find great tips, whether you are in a monogamous relationship or in a non-monogamous one. We talk about compassion, which is when you feel happy because your partner is happy with someone else. And we also talk about why at that point living together wasn't really something that Safi and Fifi desired despite really being committed to one another. And overall, it was just such a fun conversation. They are just really great humans and I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. <laughs> so we met at we were mutual friends or we had mutual friends and we met I guess at a play party a queer play party called Submit um we had we like to say it was love at first fuck yes because <laughs> it was really the first encounter we ever actually honestly had i had known of safi i we like she said had mutual friends i was intrigued but i didn't want to get too close i was like i don't really want to you know i just didn't i didn't know her well and then when i found out that our friends were organizing this group trip to this play party and that safi was on the list of people going i was like oh word okay <laughs> i'm never so, nearly going exactly yeah. like i'm going i'm about a bag like this is my chance like <laughs> i'm going to you know finally yes i've had my like eye on her for a while but that'll be the night and um she wasn't gonna go because one of her exes were two, gonna be two there. Of my exes were there two Ooh. of her exes are <laughs> 
<laughs> well, wow. perfect timing. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, who cares? Like, just come fuck me in public, please. And um, it didn't take too much convincing. No. <laughs> no. It was at like it was after like I was performing poetry. And I was like, I'm not going to this. This is crazy. Like, too many of my exes are there. And she came to my show um, and, like, bought one of my cigarettes. And I was like, you should come. And I was like, you know what? You bring up a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> we get to the party. Um, I'm still not sure if Safi is aware that I want to have sex with her. Yeah, I have this problem with being, like, very deadpan. Oh, <laughs> like, seeming a little bit, like... <laughs> generally like disinterested in most things you know like <laughs> yeah so i had to explicitly ask the question while we were like walking and she was behind me and we had it was like a row of our friends that were all walking in the same direction and i just asked who wants to make me come and she was directly behind me so luckily she said me no i just looked around <laughs> and was like, anyone anyone <laughs> Handing you up on yeah. a platter. <laughs> and then it worked out really well. And I had a fabulous yeah. time. And I was like, hmm, I want to fuck you again. And we started doing that. And um, so it was very casual. Yeah, we were like solo poly relationship anarchists. We both got out of like intense version like of primary partnerships. So we took it really slow. Like we kind of like parked it on sleepovers and just like being cautious of not like totally being a mesh in this like new relationship energy of like, uh, it's so exciting. I want to spend all my time with you. And um, at around like six months of us like doing the things that we were doing, I asked her to be my primary, and she said, I've been telling people you were my primary, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely love at first fuck. I, I don't think, I did not anticipate that night going the way it did. I did not, I actually knew of Sophia like six years prior, and I was like, this is one of the most beautiful people I've ever seen. And I had like a creepy eye on her, <laughs> but um, but she didn't know, and she no was idea. also after you. But you, but you, you didn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> but so that was that was good. And I'm, I mean, this is also a plug for like fucking early on. I'm a huge advocate for that. Yeah, because I'm just like I knew. I don't know. I definitely knew that there was chemistry, and then um, because of the sex. Like, it was just, like, very synchronized. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, great. Now we can actually perhaps actually be the same way emotionally and, like, with our personalities. And um, I'm glad, yeah, it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I agree. I, I love that, too. Like, mm -hmm. fucking early. Like, mm -hmm. I think that – I was not definitely not brought up to be that way. And like I think that's still something I'm I'm learning now. And like it's it's funny actually dating in this world, I feel like I had to still even even had to portray as like this innocent, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's like when yeah, you have whether this, you know, you know, like to to know whether there's a connection or not. Right, mm -hmm. right. And not having to like play coy because you feel like, oh, I don't want to give it up just yet or like oh, oh my god 
I was so bad at that. (laughs) (laughs) We have been together for a little bit over two and a half years now, which is crazy to say out loud. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but also in retrospect, because I do plan to spend the rest of my life with Taffy, there's a lot left ahead. Mm. So, you know, so much learning and growing to do, but it just feels so like seamless here. And we currently don't live together. Um, Tavi lives in Bay Ridge and I live in the Bronx. So it's technically like a long distance relationship. That's what people New- say. I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really dream of the day when I can walk to Safi, Safi's apartment. At this stage in our relationship, living apart works well. So I'm um, yeah, I'm curious about that. So so even even you saying I've I dream the day you can walk to each other's apartment. Mm. So, like, do you guys not plan on living together in no. the near future at all? Or, like, ever? <laughs> I don't know if it's – I think, again, like, relationships are subject to change. But the way we, like, practice, the way we're kind of very different about our spaces in general. Uh, and um, I think we just bicker too much about, like, the design of the space. <laughs> I, 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 we wouldn't bicker. <laughs> He wouldn't care very much about the design of the space, and I would not. And then we would bicker. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it's not just about that. I think we're just very. It was hard for me to like. I remember like talking to someone, and they were like, "So you guys are gonna like you're madly in love. You love each other so much. You love spending time together. I assume the next step is moving in." And I didn't. And then I felt in that moment like briefly invalidated. I was like, "Oh, so I have to." It's not a like a real primary partnership if I'm not living with my partner. Like if there's not like a material evidence that mm-hmm. <laughs> this is my primary. And um but then like very much letting that go and not like totally making it something that I never want, but just like right now mm-hmm. it makes the most sense that we live separately. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think ideally we went to Costa Rica on a trip and we like we can have a vacation house together that we live in at the same time. But like during the week, especially weekdays, because we both work and we're both cranky, like the separate space works well. Yeah, I guess we also wanted to ask you guys about um, your boundaries because mm-hmm. that's different depending on the relationship. Not mm-hmm. all non-monogamous relationships are the same. So what type of boundaries have you guys figured out? Mm-hmm. Um, I think baseline is honesty like transparency communication Mm -hmm. um and i think we've done a lot of different like we've had like growing pains for sure Mm -hmm. and like in terms of like polyamory itself and the way we practice i didn't realize that i was the kind of partner that likes not to be involved like romantically or sexually but likes to know my metamors Mm -hmm. um and i think the the most of the the like things we would come up against is like me not knowing a metamore well enough or me not knowing a metamore yet and feeling kind of like threatened or challenged like in the feelings of like insecurity and jealousy i think like jealousy has been a thing that like an obstacle that we've gotten over Mm -hmm. um and 
And that, yeah, that was really something I didn't know about myself. I was very much, because my first non-monogamous relationship was of, like, the don't ask, don't tell variety, I was, and very don't ask, don't tell, not even, like, knowing of anything that my partner was doing. Um, and I also got the text of, like, you should probably get tested <laughs> um, oh, right. um, from my ex at the time. But I think the kitchen table, like, knowing my metamorphs, I don't have to, like, see them all the time or, like, be, like, such, so enmeshed in their lives. But I do like the abundance of love and, like, the communal the community of loving somebody more than like a parallel mm. dynamic. Mm. Yeah. And it was my first coming from all the learning I had of polyamory was as a solo poly person, as a relationship anarchist. Like I was always a secondary to someone. I was never anyone. Well, I always forget that. You like totally forget about the entire relationship that you had with a like primary partnership that I had with someone. Oh God, bless. <laughs> that's so that's not true at all because I did have that framework. So I think the the difference here is that I do feel very comfortable bringing up like if I do want to explore other people. And I think like even as a person who's practiced poly for a while now, like there's still some embarrassment mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. And like, you know, there's still like this feeling of like, uh, this person, like I, I think I wanted to go on a date with somebody. Right. Yeah. And um, so learning to become more comfortable with that and, Creating a dynamic in the relationship where that doesn't have to happen. So I learned that about myself in this relationship is that as open as I am, I still have some fear around like how to approach that with my partners. And the instinct is still there to like the, the cheater in me, the one who's operated that way for so many years is like, this can't possibly be talked about. Like I can't possibly bring up that I want to see other people. So um, just making sure that that's something that's welcomed and celebrated right. and instead of, so that I can feel more comfortable sharing that. And I think it also helps that Vivi uh, had like a plethora of other partners as I was entering into her life. So like, had it been a dynamic, it might have been more difficult if I was like her, we were like monogamous or even like started off as a primary and she then started seeing other people, even if we had the like polyamorous, polyamorous paradigm in, in place. But coming in and, and that comes a lot from like, I don't see my metamors or like her secondaries as like secondary to me. Mm -hmm. um, I think that like paying my respects to her other partners has been and like taking a lot of my ego out or that starting that way took a lot of my ego out of like I was with her first she is mine <laughs> like you know and, um, <laughs> it, um, it really like kind of paved a way of being able to like like no one's really and it, it actually pr produced some awkwardness because that if I don't get clear instructions on certain things, on like the way I should be acting, then I'm like, all right, that's her partner. I just won't like, <laughs> they're kissing right now. Do I just stand here? Do I like go 
can I just talk to like I don't know what to do because I I almost give like too much leeway or not too much but like I'm so cautious of like stepping on toes oh, that <laughs> I sometimes find myself in weird scenarios <laughs> of, like and I'm like no you can absolutely be like hey this looks great but I'm gonna go do something else <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah or anything like that yeah and I think this isn't like romance in general and relationships across the board when if there's a difficult thing that comes up like communicating that and not sitting in like the tension of it for too long because so we actually recorded a video recently on how Safi yelling improved our relationship (laughs) (laughs) and it's because yes she she operates in this way with like if there's no clear instruction like not sure like, <laughs> what to do. Like, <laughs> and now it's more like, hey, <laughs> tell me what the fuck to do, please. <laughs> right, like communicating, yeah. whatever way, even if yeah. it's shouting. If it's, and it, for me also, like, you know, yeah, I grew up in a loud household, so like, yell, please, like, yes, I can hear you properly. Like, okay, registered. Like, so, um after implementing that kind of way of communicating if things are bothering us then it's it helps just clear the air sooner rather than later it helps to laugh too like that kind of like it helps to not take ourselves so seriously and the moment like when you're sitting in this like broody like resentment you start to like the narrative starts Mm. of like she's gonna leave me for somebody else and like when the way i've experienced jealousy is that I become distant. I become, I like make, the story is now true. She has left me already, even though like she's fully in this relationship (laughs) with me. And I have to start behaving and like my life, I need to start imagining my life without her. Mm. (laughs) You know, it gets very dramatic. Yeah. Um, Because, and that's from not talking about it and not like putting it into like manifesting it in this like conversation being able to be like hey babe like i feel this way about this partner i'm feeling insecure right now i need reassurance um or i just need like a conversation about because sometimes you're not going to hear what you want to hear you know and like also accepting that but um sitting in the, the the resentment is really what starts to like peel away at the relationship at least for I think most relationships. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, like it brings up so many old behaviors for me because as the person, at least in our dynamic, I I have the the other partners. I'm usually the one that goes on dates. I'm the one usually who's having sex with other people. So if I feel like there's a resentment brewing and I'm not getting that information, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut off too. Right. And it's going to be a thing where, you know what? And you're going to start feeling guilty. Exactly. Because even though you haven't heard from him, you like, you know, you know that there's some hurt yes. feelings or something going yeah. on by the way he's acting. Or Absolutely. Whatever. Yeah. The guilt is it, where it all stems from. So I'm like, if you think if you have a problem with this, then I'll just leave. Right. So that's where the thinking will like go down. And then on my end, it's like, if you want to leave, then just fucking leave. <laughs> you know, it's like, this, it's such a spiral that can be so easily avoided with vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Even if the feeling is uncomfortable, even if it's going to be like a messy like conversation, 
that like not talking and us like creating these stories back and forth ends in this like well then fucking leave like yeah. you know what I mean? yeah um and it's just not it's not how i want to talk or think about my any of my partners in this way of like <laughs> you know yeah. like yeah because that's obviously not what i want right. and um but i think like that's the hard boundary yeah. you know if we're not talking about BDSM and like what are my <laughs> red, green, yellows, then that's it when it comes to like open relationships and polyamory for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you found that when you've like opened up, her response has been because you meant you said like it's not always what you want to hear, but no. but it always helps, right? It always helps to know that like, you know, like struggling with information like how much do i want to know and how much how much do i want to know to make me feel a little bit more comfortable and in, in like the relationship she has with this other person and how much do i not want to know um typically i actually want to know more than i want to know less but you know like it's it's dealing with a part a muscle that's not been worked like of like letting go of ego competition like all of these things because we're not taught to look at especially with specifically the act of sex of like mm -hmm. this is a shared experience this can be good with one person and it also can be good with you <laughs> you know we're not trained in society to look at love and sex in that way as this abundant kind of experience mm -hmm. so my like knee jerk especially the like toxic masculinity that is like constantly around me is like <laughs> it better not be better you know what I mean? <laughs> and then like when i really like go to the core of who i am the like authentic the authenticity of who i am it's like i sure as fuck better be good like you know what I, mean? <laughs> i hope that it's good with this other partner i don't want her hurt or sad or like feeling empty or like any of those things after an interaction but like it is such a reflex to be like if Like, she's going to find something better in someone else. Yeah, and it's so interesting because even though you might have been in a situation in which you have strong feelings for two people, mm -hmm. and you can totally see when you're in that situation very clearly that that doesn't distract from the other person. The mm -hmm. fact that you like or love one person and doesn't mean that you don't love another one. Right. But then when you're on the other side and then the other person is with others, mm. your mind immediately right. goes to... I'm lacking yeah. something, <laughs> that person is better. There's a hierarchy when right. in reality yeah. it's, it doesn't work like that, you know? Right, yeah. I feel fortunate that I have rarely felt that, I think. Like with my partners, I don't know. I get so excited when my partners have other people in their lives. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe this is like my confidence in myself sexually, like having had sex since 13, like, and knowing that it's like a power of mine or something. <laughs> I'm like, like you, you go have your fun. You'll be back. It's fine. Um, so it's, She's I a maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why I am like polyamorous. And mm. I just really feel like, I don't know. And also sex is so different with different people. Mm. Like, I think more than anything, what makes this work, like the sex was first and the sex was incredible and that's what led to everything we have now. But what really made it stick is 
is our personalities and our chemistry and how we operate Oh, as yeah. it's raining for anyone listening <laughs> in case you in case you hadn't noticed um yeah there's not much we can do about that so sorry guys <laughs> but yeah so it's that that really makes it work and i don't know like I'd be very surprised if you can find this anywhere else. <laughs> what? <laughs> what <Bitch? we> like? <laughs> what I do? What I do? <laughs> I was just like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, just talking about like the confidence in a relationship and how that is necessary. Not to say that jealousy isn't ever present, but. I mentioned this. It's compersion, right? Now, this is actual compersion. Yeah. Yes. Can you explain yeah. what that is for people who might it's not know? It's the... What is it? It's the, So, it's kind of like the opposite of jealousy where you experience mm-hmm. joy and feeling, like, elated when your partner is uh, enjoying another person mm-hmm. or excited. It's just, like, very much, yeah, the... The opposite of feeling envy or jealousy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my god. There's. Yeah. I gotta tell you a little story. <laughs> we were Logan and I were at this sex party, and I had this. I have. I have this huge crush on this guy mm-hmm. that we probably all all know. But <laughs> uh, and we were playing around. We were having sex. So I was like, you know, all these great juicy things. And then at the end of the night, we ended up spending the night, and I ended up cuddling with another guy. And Logan and this big crush I have ended up falling asleep holding hands. And Logan's completely straight, but they fell asleep holding hands, and I freaking oh died. God. Like That's I know. So sweet. I know. Oh my god. Yeah, and she told cry. me next day, like you know that thing. That was the thing that happened at, at the party. Yeah. Not whatever else happened before. Or after that, that was like the thing she had to tell me about. Because <laughs> it, it was the. I think it was also the first time we really experienced compersion, mm. and like he was just. Full, I mean, both of us were kind of just fully embodying it, and, mm-hmm. and you know, it it is kind of difficult to get to that situation mm-hmm. where you yeah. feel that comfortable. But when when it does, it's such a magical feeling mm-hmm. um, to be able to to. Um, you know, just experience that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm a little embarrassed that my, the way I led into compersion was with like a very <laughs> egotistical description of how I'm a sex goddess. <laughs> but that's really, <laughs> that was what I meant. I actually meant that compersion is like something. <laughs> I, I feel like I was born with that, and that's why, like, I wish I had known that polyamory was an option. Um, but you know what? I'm actually really glad that I learned about it in my 20s. Like, I caused enough damage. I learned from those mistakes, so I didn't have to make them in polyamory uh, because those same mistakes can happen in open non-monogamous scenarios where Mm -hmm. you know people are irresponsible and lie and cheat like that's totally still like can happen um so i'm glad i was able to like keep those two worlds (laughs) separate and even as someone who experiences jealousy like compersion is very and i said it like in a jokingly joking way but like the the cuckold in me is very (laughs) and it's not even like i have to be there i have to be watching it but like knowing that it happened and having the details and like 
when I felt jealousy, I was like, oh, this must mean I'm not polyamorous. And it was like a very specific scenario. It was a very, it was before I learned that there are these, what what I really want is to fall asleep holding hands. <laughs> metamor, right? right. And right. the only times I feel jealousy, if it was, if I feel that a metamorph is very separate from me. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, that is like the wet dream. It's so like, whatever, you get dicked down by some nice man and then we fall asleep together. <laughs> and that's the thing. That was one of the most surprising things that I learned uh, when learning about non-monogamy was that actually meeting your partner's partners uh, makes you less jealous. Mm. Yes, because absolutely. everyone would think that it makes you more jealous, but it actually, at least from the people I've, I've talked to, you know, it becomes less mysterious. It mm-hmm. becomes less threatening mm-hmm. because you know that person, you know that person has good intentions. Right. That person knows you, so there's right. some sort of acknowledgement. Right. So it actually helps with jealousy. And that's what I tried to tell Seth as well. I'm like, <laughs> this could help <laughs> if you just met them, you know? Yeah, there is like a level of, like one of our first like experiences of like being ent- entangled with another partner and not in like a sexual scenario was with one of our partners and we went on a date the three of us or i met them after so it was very much his time with her and i didn't feel like what do i do blah blah like it was just like us interacting us like doting and like loving her mm-hmm. and yeah yeah it was just very simple um mm-hmm. And Best. it's just camaraderie. It's like, yeah, it is a really yeah. Because thing. if that person had a connection with Fifi, and you also have a connection, you are gonna have some things in common. Yeah, sure. I yeah. wrote a poem about him. Actually, oh, <laughs> yeah. wow, really? that is conversion. Yeah, yeah. like straight up. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I wanna, I wanna hear that poem. <laughs> Do you I have it with me? Oh, but okay. I would, yeah, one day. <laughs> that's awesome well yeah I mean I I do want to touch on it a little bit too is I know that you guys I mean we've been talking about it all night but you guys have an incredible YouTube channel where you're sharing all these incredible and very specific topics in kind of bite-sized pieces for people who are also curious I Mm -hmm. feel like I I think you're targeting kind of the same audience so how did that come to be and and why did you create that quarantine very much was (laughs) helpful to like the creative i think it was something we talked about but we didn't have like a like a enough of a vision for like what we actually need to do for it to look a certain way but it was always something like i i want to do something like educational with you like regarding like sex and lifestyle whether it's creating a podcast creating and then we were like talking to our friends and they were like, you should get make an Instagram and start a YouTube channel. And literally the day after <laughs> we were making an Instagram and starting a YouTube channel. Wow. Um, and it was like no background or like knowledge or I, I don't know. I don't even know anyone personally until like I started discovering people that I knew, mutual friends that had YouTube channels. And I'm like, okay, people I know do this. Like it's possible. Mm-hmm. And um, so we just like, made the account and started it. And we had known that we wanted to provide some representation for people like us, you know, queer um, people of color that are also polyamorous. (laughs) So it was- Or curious. Or curious or just like, exactly. Um, And we thought we're too fucking niche not to do something (laughs) about this. Yeah. So, um, I and we have so much to talk about. So- it it was very it 
was very easy. Like, you know, the videos just keep coming. Like, right. so many subjects. And, like, also as we continue to create content, um, people engage and yeah. seem really interested. It took on the, like, it started to become more sex positive oriented. Like, uh, unbeknownst to us, I think. Like I think once we... Hacienda reached out to us. It right. started to kind of um, become this really talking about like sex education and and a, a more like accessible like humor, like levity, bringing like a little bit of the ways I would have wanted to be talked to about these things, like casual, joking around, and like not in this mm-hmm. like very intimidating and not in like a finger pointing way either. Like you're doing something wrong if you're not doing this yet, you know, mm-hmm. or like don't understand this yet. Um mm-hmm. so it like really came, at least for me, like the driving force was like, who did I need to be talking to when I was like dating people for a long bout of time and then breaking up with them mm-hmm. <laughs> the minute I had like feelings for someone else like before I kind of caused a lot of damage, like what could have could I have heard, you know, yeah. moving forward? Well, that's exactly what this podcast is about. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a great segue into our last question, which mm-hmm. is what would you say to a polycurious person? So what would you say to that uh, past self of yeah. yours when, <laughs> you know, you were experiencing these things and you didn't know about this world? Mm-hmm. Or just to someone who's curious right now, you know, f- after you've experienced all that you have, experience and learn from yeah I guess for me it's um it's really the shame and the guilt like that is the thread of my past life is really feeling that I was a bad person for wanting to be with multiple people and so dismantling that which takes work Mm. and owning your desires and your and whatever propels you um so that was that's the first thing is like you're not wrong for wanting those things you're not disgusting for wanting those things and in fact like you can celebrate that you want those things and there's a safe ethical honest way of doing it um so if i had gotten that news when i was a teenager, then, you know, maybe I would have heard a lot less people. So when I did hear that for the first time and hear that slut could be um, a, a reclaimed word that I could use. Right. We should probably reference to this book, actually. The Ethical Slut is um, is like the book that taught me about Polly. Also just slut, like, you know, a lot of influencers and celebrities like Amber Rose, you know, the just ending slut shame across mm-hmm. the board and stop using terms like that to police women's bodies. Sorry, like slut shaming, like never, even when I was younger, they didn't like compute for me. I was like, why? I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it doesn't really make sense. Anyways. Yeah. So anyway, at least for me and for my younger self, that's what I would have said. Yeah. It's like, just be kind to yourself and do some research. Read this book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's called The Ethical Slut by, I don't know, by... Dottie Easton. Dottie. Okay. Yeah. Nice. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes mm-hmm. for you guys. Um, yeah, that's great. How about you, Saka? I would say, I guess, on the other end, yeah, no, like, definitely there's no shame in wanting other partners. And there's also, like, no shame in being 
uncomfortable with like if you're first like experimenting with polyamory and like feelings like we said jealousy discomfort it's awkward sometimes Mm -hmm. it's weird that that shouldn't be the driving force to deter someone from going forth and like experimenting more um and that it's like normal to feel those feelings those kind of negative like icky emotions in any kind of like relationship paradigm um so And I would also say, like, building a community and, like, having people to talk to about, like, polyamorous things, like, issues that come up, like, truly, like, clearly we're not the only ones, you know? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think I would tell that to myself (laughs) and anyone else practicing or newly practicing. I love it. I love both your messages. So thank you so much. Honestly, I've had such a great time. Yeah, this was fun. It was really fun. Uh, We're definitely having you again. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Yay! Yay! Love you guys. (laughs) Well, there you have it. Safi and Fifi. How incredible are they? Please, if you like what you heard in today's episode and the previous one, give them some love by subscribing to their YouTube channel, which is linked in the show notes, or you can just type Safi and Fifi in YouTube and it will come up. You can also follow them on Instagram at safi.n.fifi and you can follow us as well at Polycurious Podcast. If you like the show, please don't forget to subscribe. And if you feel like reaching out to say hi, Our email is polycuriouspodcast at gmail.com. Okay, guys, that's it for me. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you all next week.